Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, we got some more stuff in the news to talk about. We do. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah. We, yeah. There's nothing we like better than just finding random news stories and interesting articles <laughs> and just They're banter about random. It. Come and on guess now. what? We're going to make you listen while we do there's it. There's some thought behind these. There is. There, yeah. I All suppose right. so, yes. Well, maybe mine, at least. I don't know about <laughs> yours or what you do mine, over there. Well, no, but I think a couple of mine are, are somewhat relevant to our normal discussion points. Um, some are just out, out there, but you know. Well, and it's maybe fun stuff for us to talk about. It, it is some fun stuff for us to talk about. Maybe I'll kick it off by saying, did you hear about this guy in uh, in in Philadelphia that swapped out a barcode so that he couldn't? So he wanted to get a Dyson vacuum for four hundred dollars right, is the normal price, right. but he swapped the barcode on a two hundred or I'm sorry, a twenty four dollar something else and actually got away with it. There's some tech bites for you. There you so go. People swapping barcodes, just like good old price tags swapping back in the That's, day. There you go, swapping out barcodes. Anyway, but wouldn't you, we if got you, more serious I mean, stuff to talk about, couldn't too. Couldn't you do like a $100 item or something to at least, you know, <laughs> seem like it's in the right range? Oh, no. He went but I guess full we got away with it. That's all that matters. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. There yeah, so go. it is Tech Bites. Once again, we are back with another episode a uh, little brief discussions about what's happening in the news, some yep. cool and interesting stuff. So yep. stick around. We're going to talk about birds, uh, hackers, one of our favorite topics, oh, work yeah. trends, yep. uh, Google Chrome, uh, and uh, and a disaster at a sporting event. So, hey, so you if you're looking for something to talk about around the water cooler at some point in time, we got some topics for you here. That's right. There exactly. You if, there if you're actually back at a water cooler again. There you, you know, go. Or you're just on a Zoom call with some folks. You can there chat you about this yeah, stuff. So absolutely. It is time for us to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, so hey, let's get into it. Uh, I want to start off with... A story that's one of those like, great. Is this some kind of sign of the apocalypse? Yes, crap? the apocalypse is coming. Or is here this it is. Just here's a your evidence? Weird nature story. Here, here's the headline from NBC News: Birds acting blind when approached, dying by hundreds. Scientists don't know why. My favorite line in any article is: Scientists don't, don't. know why. <laughs> And I mean, I get, hey, science sometimes takes time to figure out, but you know, when they're just flat out going, mm, you know, that's, yeah. that's a little alarming. So this is uh, happening in the Midwest and South. Actually, some of it's happening in our vicinity here in the tri-state yep. Ohio, yep. Kentucky, Indiana area. Yep. Um, I'm going to read you a quick little snippet here from uh, Kate Slankert, an avian biologist with the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources, says, we have yet to figure out what the problem is. The condition seems to be pretty deadly. Symptoms include crusty or puffy eyes, neurological signs of seizures, and an inability to stay balanced. Experts said the birds have been behaving as if they are blind and exhibit other abnormalities, such as not flying away when people get close. They'll still just sit, they'll just sit still, often kind of shaking. Slankard said it's pretty safe to say that hundreds of birds in the state have had this problem. Now I remember maybe about a decade or more ago hearing stories about birds just randomly falling dead and mm -hmm. laying on the side of the roads in states. I think it was a lot of that was in the South, and for some reason, like I feel like birds dying off dramatically has that weird, creepy, apocalyptic oh, feel absolutely. more than almost anything else. Even though it's not uncommon for, like, you know, random things to happen that kill off, right. Right. you know, swaths of animals, you know, mm. whether it's just some mm -hmm. spread of disease right. or 
maybe some kind of, you know, ecological thing happening or yep. evolutionary thing of some sort. Yep. Not entirely uncommon or unheard well, of. Well, we used canaries in coal mines. That's to, a good point. To, right? Yes. If the maybe canary dies, it. you know, we're all dead. Maybe there's like the cultural connection between yes. birds and, and like, you know, uh, you know, signs and portents. And, yes. You right. know, it, maybe that's where we're hearing I think these so. Well, I think there's a spiritual a nature to the bird, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's always been this allure of, and even to this day, spiritually, people feel like, you know, if you lose a, a family member, they come back as a right, cardinal right. and they're, yep. uh, you know, and they're watching over you and stuff like that. So there's definitely that around, that mystique around the avian or the bird or whatnot. So, yeah, I think it's always one of those signs that you look at and you're like, hmm, what's going on here? And serendipitously, yeah. I actually had a couple things happen to me along uh -oh. this line. Well, so I had a dead bird in my driveway. Okay. Didn't look for the crusty eyes and stuff like that, but it's always it's, weird. I'm going to say also, if you do encounter a bird like this, they do recommend not touching. Yeah, you don't want to go probing yeah, and exactly. stuff like that. Um, so that happened to me. And then I had... Uh, we'll just call it an interaction. So, I, you know, I, I walk and run in the morning, so it's not uncommon that I come across, and pretty early, you know, so right. it's not uncommon that I come across, we'll just call it, say, wildlife. You know, I've <laughs> I've encountered deer, I've encountered porcupines, skunks, stuff like that. But They're I'm all always, looking at you like, what are you doing up so early, dude? I'm always intrigued. They are. <laughs> I'm always intrigued by the birds, though. Some of them are like, you know, they'll... I, you, you see it when you're driving. You're, you're driving your car, and then all of a sudden, and the bird knows it. You know, a bird comes out in front right, of you. It's like right. they're testing you. It's right. like, ah, I can outrun you, sucker, kind of a thing. And it's, it's like, like a like, bunch of birds getting together, like, right. you know, pranking one another. Like, yeah. dude, I'm going to fly in front of this car right now. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. And so I was on a run, and I had this this robin who was like, I don't, bro, I don't know if he was, like, testing me. Like, he was, he would, like, fly four feet in front of me, and I'm running, and then he'd fly another four feet, and he'd look back, and then he'd fly <laughs> another four feet, like, eh, eh. And I was like, well, that was really odd behavior. He, he, did, the, he did it for like, I don't, I'm going to say mm, 50 feet or and so. And then Dean ran into a telephone pole. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I was I trying to warn you, bro. Yeah, really. So maybe birds acting a little weird. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. but in all seriousness, I mean, maybe this is some type of disease, I guess. It's an alarming story. They actually, like a couple of things they noted is that it could be, potentially even be related to the cicada. Uh, oh, right. You know, the, the cicadas that we had this year. It uh, went in doubt. Disease. Blame the cicadas. Yeah, Sorry. No doubt. Exactly. <laughs> uh, pesticides, they said, could possibly be part of it, too. But obviously, they're still investigating. But, um, yeah. yeah, there's been hundreds of birds found dead in, in I think they said, six states in the, the Midwest and the South. So I'm also working on a separate theory. Uh, so I have <laughs> around the cicadas. <laughs> if, I could, if I could go down that path, because now they're gone. Right, and it's right. like just... Uh, it's so Which, nice. Wasn't and it peaceful. great? Because you went on vacation same time as I did. And yeah. Coming back from vacation, of course, I think where you went, you might have still seen. No, them. I didn't. No, okay. No, right. So it was so nice to go on vacation somewhere yeah. where there weren't cicadas and right. come back, and the worst of it had passed while we were gone. Yes. So that, that yes, I'm with pleasant. you. So I think the cicada were very disruptive, and, and you know, yes. most animals don't. You know, if you look up the lifespan of a squirrel or a bird, I mean, none of them are around the last time the cicada came <laughs> around. Point. So I think that I think that kind of pissed off Mother Nature and some <laughs> elements of it because. I've got squirrels that are acting a little squirrely in our yard. So we've got a couple. Yeah, there you go. We've got a couple large trees, you know, old trees, and you've got the, the, the squirrel nests in them. 
and now they're like just chopping down random branches and wow. so i go in my yard and it's just like little snippets of branches and leaves and stuff like that and I, I'm, I'm like why are the squirrels doing i don't know if they're just like upset that the cicadas <laughs> came into their world because they're very invasive right, i mean that's right, what the whole right. deal with the cicada was i wonder if that, like this is like they think that's the apocalypse to them right like, yes they're it's like, like oh, the, we're the plague of cicadas like well that's it the world's coming to an end folks just tear tear it all down we're we're, we're, tear it we're all burning down. this baby down i guess we're gonna, I think, it's the humans or us we're taking them down you know <laughs> So I think some weird thing is happening, but so maybe there's a cicada blame. And of course, you know, there right. was the whole, uh, the cicada themselves could get infected by something right, that turns right. into the zombie yeah, cicadas yeah, yeah. and That's like right. half their body fell off, but, there at all. but they're yeah. still trying to have sex with yeah. all their yeah, other cicadas. You know. yeah, yeah. I mean, why let a simple thing is losing your abdomen, you know, <laughs> stop you from getting your groove on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got birds to worry about, but the one on my list here okay. was this solar winds thing. I yes. mean, it's just these guys it's going to continue to unravel and yeah. it's like we're just we're just doomed, right? So so the recent story, it's just this cascading uh, attacks that are going to happen now all these phishing attacks and yep. stuff like that. Well, the discovery came that Microsoft's you know, they're doing their own investigation into Nobel Nobelium, I guess, which is the name that they've come up with for this sophisticated hack group that uses SolarWinds software updates. They're the ones that did up the whole thing there, right? Where they compromised US, nine US agencies and hundreds of private companies out there. Um, but in essence, you know, one that caught my, my, or my eye here is that Microsoft, you know, has been hacked. One of their support personnel, a computer that that support personnel was using um, they found out that it was backdoored, I guess, and through this solar winds hack. And now, you know, so now Microsoft is in, in essence, you know, the whole support side of their business, which is customer facing has been in essence hacked, you know, right, and, right. and, and it's just like, you know, I, I just feel like this, this story is going to be never ending for a couple of years yep. now with, with that solar winds hack and how invasive it was. And to quote a guy here, um, who's just a security, you know, independent security researcher. He said, he says, quote, I mean, Jesus, if Microsoft can't keep their own kit clear of viruses, how is the rest of corporate world supposed to do it? Uh, you would have to, you would have, you would have thought that customer facing systems would have been the most hardened around. Well, that's a really good point, dude. <laughs> and, yep. and, and it's like, that's just how invasive this solar winds thing is. And, and I don't know. I mean, Here's one ray of hope, I guess, that it was also in the article, is that, uh, to quote the article, the attack may also lead to a st strengthening relationship between the U.S. government and cybersecurity industry, where the private se security, should. yes, <laughs> helping federal uh, officials fight off these nations and state attacks from foreign bad actors in the future. And, and dude, yeah, I mean, I guess that's where we're at, is that we're going to have to all kind of get together on this thing, right. you know, the private sector, the public sector and, and thwart this, but it, it continues to be a huge issue. And you know, it's just I, like, I, I'm getting tired know. of learning how to tackle problems by dealing with the worst outcomes of the problems. You know, right? I think the last year and a half has taught us, you know, some <laughs> little something about maybe preparedness, uh, you know, yes. for, for things that we know could happen, but are just like, eh, it's probably not going to happen. This is a clear example. Clear. Of that. I mean, it's not like it's not like hacking. It's not like this type of activity is new. Right. I mean, you know, for God's sakes, we were watching films about hackers back in the 90s that were cheesy as hell and, and did not get anything right whatsoever about that world. But like we already we got those concepts as, as, as for as long as we've 
had computers at the ready and, and as part of our lives, and as long as the internet has been part of our lives, we've always understood this idea. There are people out there who will try to find ways to use yes. it to get into places they shouldn't right. be in. Right. And yet, I do you're, to your point, I do feel like we are ridiculously far behind on some on some levels of cybersecurity. Well, but here's the one other aspect of this story that continues to perplex me. Uh, and it's people that are that are victims of phishing attacks. And it's like how can how can we not understand yeah. that if you receive an email from somebody that looks a little suspicious, don't click on it. Right. Because now this one's a little bit more sophisticated in that, of course, with the solar winds, they can now take over the persona of a right, particular right. individual like at Microsoft.com right. or something like that. And, and OK, so that maybe is a little bit harder to detect. But for anybody out there, if you don't, if, <laughs> why do people keep doing it? It is the number one attack. It's like putting a penny on the ground or something, I guess. I mean, I'm trying to think of the analogy that. People are suckers for it every single time. And phishing attacks are that. You just got people out there, oh, I saw you sent me an email with an invoice PDF in it. No. Even though I I was not expecting that. you an invoice. Even though I wasn't expecting that, and even though you have nothing to do with purchasing or invoicing, (laughs) I'm going to open it up and check it out because it came from you. Don't do that. What is this? I know. And and I, like, to your point, yes, like, they are getting better and more sophisticated and more, you know, every once in a while I will get an email that for a moment I go, Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. But to your point, yes, a little bit of common sense, a little bit of thought, a little bit of this feels weird. Trust those instincts. You know, oh, absolutely. If your Just gut's look telling at who you something is coming from, right? You know, and you get this long strand. It's not yeah. actually Amazon, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I don't know, I, yeah, man. That's a very good point. I mean, I, again, I know there is a definite issue and a problem here. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, to your point, the phishing stuff, we should be far over that by now. And I forget in the story, they, 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 relate that the, most of the attacks that are happening as a, as a result of solar winds are as I just described them, where they're, they're, it's still phishing attacks, but it, it looks like it's coming from somebody's right, account right. Uh, and it's stuff like that. And it's like, oh my gosh, people, come on, we got to get, we got to get smart yep. about your email. Cause you it's know, just like, there should be, I think as part of school curriculum, there, oh, somewhere in elementary school. Yes. There should be some Basic kind of class. 101. Yeah, cybersecurity 101 <laughs> or like, you know, protecting yourself. I mean, and I'm, I'm being serious about yes. this. Like, I think, honestly, especially, you know, we know children in particular are very vulnerable to stuff that they see on the internet. We've Absolutely. talked about cyberbullying and all that kind of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. I think there there would not be anything wrong with having a course mm-hmm. for children and maybe have it again in high school, too, or whatever, that's all about, you know, being smart on the internet and, yeah. and knowing the difference between real and fake and knowing, you know, the difference mm-hmm. between something that's phishing and something that's legit. Uh, there's there's no reason we shouldn't be Or that there's that bad stuff. actors out there trying yeah, to. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, see, we're solving the world's there problems. But I'm telling you, I don't know, this solar winds thing, it's going to be in the news forever. It, it is, yes. Yeah. I think this is going to, you're going to start seeing this become the recurring recurring theme over the next couple of years of the latest insane hack that messed something up and slowed yep. something down. Yep, so. yep, yep. Uh, okay, so my next one here is from Morgan Stanley at work. Seven trends that that will reshape work and life in 2021. Now, interesting enough, I feel like a lot of this article covers... You love all these workday well, things. Well, I do. I kind of do. I just Because I just find the, like, you know, I always find the concept of how we work and why we work and what work means as far as part of our lives to be fascinating. Way too uh, philosophical, uh, but go ahead. Well, why do we work? Mm. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good point. I've tried to explain it to my son before. He'll be like, you know, well, Danny's got to go to work. Why? And I'm just like, I just yeah. like to space out for 20 yeah. minutes and... Yes, mommy, something's wrong with daddy again. I asked about work. <laughs> but 
a lot of these trends, uh, there are stuff that I feel like we've already kind of covered in depth, so we don't really need to get too far into them. Um, but right. the seven trends that they throw out here, rethinking productivity and remote work, totally makes sense. Yep. We've had to think a lot about that in the last yeah, year, and we'll no continue doubt. to do so. Hiring and keeping top talent. And a lot of that, again, is kind of related to this idea that I, I know we brought it up in a previous episode about the great resignation. Yes, um, it might right. have even been our tech, our tech previous Tech Bytes episode, yep. of this idea that a lot of people rethought the work and rethought what matters to them over the last year. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that are leaving jobs, and there's a lot of companies that are trying to figure out how to attract the right kind of people in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and what, what do they need to offer to make that actually happen. Mm-hmm. So um, let's see. Uh, what else do we have here? Boosting workers' mental and physical wellness. Uh, which, which, you know, has always been on the table a little yeah. bit, you know, helping employees de-stress, you know, I, man, I'm telling you, I don't know. It's, 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 that's one of those areas that it's like, we're all dealing with it. And I wonder, you know, how stressful is our life compared to other generations? And, right, and like, right. I was listening to a podcast this morning that was like the, the stress of climate change and how, if you're 18 to 24, it's having this dramatic because that's your stress. future. That literally is your future. Right, but uh, but it's like okay, are we? And I wrestle with myself. I'm like, are we getting soft? I'm not. I'm not debating whether or right. not climate change is reality or not. I'm just saying, like, are we getting soft in that we're allowing these things to mentally, you know, have a decay on us, or or is it truly that we have? all these additional stresses that other generations haven't had to put up with. I don't know. Well, I, think I mean, you think about... I think know. there's a little of both, but I think a part of it, too, there <laughs> is... And I think we talked about this when we had our multi-generational workplace episode, is this idea that, you know, go back even 40, 50 years, our parents and their parents, you know, in the workplace, there was very much this attitude of, like, you come in, you do the work, don't complain about anything, mm-hmm. you know, like, don't let little stuff bug you, don't ask for things, don't expect to have a nice working environment or whatever, mm-hmm. just, you just come in, you do the job, right, and right, you right, shout right. about it. Yeah. And I think we've reached a point where we realize, like, look, it is okay to address issues that yes, are concerning I you. I would it agree. It is okay well, yes. to accommodate right. workers. Sure. Um, and, and, and to this point also, I think, you know, that mental health has become less stigmatized than it has been in the past. We still have a long way to go. Which is good. But, but yeah, Absolutely. I, I, think, I think, and I think that bleeds into it also is being able to say like, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, this is, this is hurting me. Like, you mm-hmm, know, this, mm-hmm. like stressing out about my job or about my day-to-day work is having an impact on my mental health and my life and my, my interactions with my friends and family, you know, and, and it's okay to take a step back and acknowledge that. And I think what I think this is kind of saying is employers trying to help employees acknowledge that and help, oh, I help see. set up environments where they are, you know, encouraging, focusing on mental well-being and, mm-hmm. and wellness and understanding mm-hmm. like, look, again, as part of this idea of keeping people on board and not losing people yeah. who may have had time to think about what really mattered to them gotcha. is, is acknowledging like, look. Uh, you know, we uh, we do need to think about your your wellness, and we're going to make sure that part of our part of our workplace and part of our environment is about acknowledging that maybe you know that people need more time off, or that people or need resources that they can reach out to. Taking or, a ten minute uh, meditation yeah, is not a exactly. okay, as, well, the, as the article calls that's, out. That's a great right. example because you know I, I've you know I, I've been in workplaces where if you actually go through the employee manual to point out the fact like, hey, you have. X amount of time available for lunch each day, mm-hmm. and you are also allotted two 15 or 10 minute breaks, breaks or something like right. that. Mm-hmm. But how many people actually do that? Or maybe they're doing it, but they're not really doing it and taking that step away from work and really well, taking time to like. And step those away were kind of a holdover from smokers, you know, back that's, in the that's day. A good point. Yes. You know, people were taking smoke breaks. I can, I, you know, then you have the employees that don't smoke and they're right. like, hey, 
Where's my break? You yeah, because exactly. they they get to go out and have these right. whatever. Why minute, can't I walk outside? Why and can't breathe I? And so I think that was a result of that. Air. But yeah. but 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 true. I mean, it's it's you know, and I guess that's a societal change, right? Yep. To to recognize that it's okay, you know, take a little break and yep. and there's studies around actually, it's more beneficial. You get more out of your work day if you if you do take breaks a little bit uh, here and there. Okay, we got more stuff. Uh, in there, a couple though. of the other trends here: updating workplace benefits for millennials. That was tag um, on millennials again. But you know, again, I feel like that kind of almost leads into what we were just talking about with the previous point too that you know the the younger generation millennials gen z have different expectations about what work means and what you know a healthy working environment is whether mm-hmm. it is i want healthy food options in the cafeteria mm-hmm. i want more vacation time i want more work life balance type stuff and it's all that stuff that when you give it to them and you incorporate that in your workplace guess what all your other workers of any other generation like that stuff too <laughs> They just, they didn't know they could ask for it, you know? <laughs> and thank you to millennials and Gen Z for coming along and actually asking oh, for it and man. potentially making the rest of us better. All right. So what do you think they mean by more flexible vacation terms? That's the one I couldn't get or like wrapped around my head. It's like, <laughs> right, you got a vacation allocated. Like, I don't know what that means Either exactly. I don't know if it's but, either but, just making, you know, like having more vacation readily available or maybe like not having this thing where like, hey, you work here for 10 years and we'll give you two more oh, days. Oh, okay. Know? I see what you're or saying. Or maybe yeah. it's also like... You know, flexible in the sense of because I know, and, and granted, I know some some employers things are different, but like you know, there are some places that'll say like, "Hey, you're no, you can't take a vacation during this time of year," mm-hmm. uh, or you have to use up X amount of your vacation. You can't roll anything over, or you can't do two weeks back to back or stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of what they're getting into. Is like, you gotcha. know, if you've got it, let us use it the when we wanted to use it and how we want to use it. Maybe that's what they're asking. All right, for. fair enough. Uh, the other three, addressing a diversity to improve hiring and retention. I think that's pretty straightforward. There's mm-hmm. some, I, I will link to all these articles uh, in the show notes, but there's some interesting statistics here about race and gender and orientation and, and what they struggle with, especially as it pertains to student loans. Um, you know, once they get into the workforce, like where they're, they, they come into the workforce already behind and, you know, maybe it's up to employers to help, you know, help figure that out and help address that for them. Yep. Right. Uh, in a productive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, reframing open enrollment to deepen engagement. Again, this kind of goes back to this whole like wellness stuff. Yeah. They pointed out some of the uh, the trends, you know, in articles of stuff like mental health, financial wellness programs, child care, retirement, virtual care, paid sick leave. That this is stuff that's important to employees right now and making sure that your enrollment period is addressing that kind of stuff as well, as well as making it, mm. I think, uh, making the idea of enrollment about more than just, hey, you've got this block of time to figure out your benefits and what mm-hmm. you want to do, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Here's the info you need. Just do it. Get it done within this time period. We're done. Mm-hmm. I think there's a maybe an onus maybe on employers to put a little more effort into explaining benefits and helping people understand what's beneficial for them and, and giving them options and, and, and expanding maybe the, the variety of options that are available for them. Yeah, which is always a struggle. I, and, 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 and really, I think some of that's incumbent upon the uh, provider themselves. Yep. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. Those are the people that are making all the money. I agree. <laughs> and then the the last trend here, deepening trust with extra financial support. Ooh, what is that? Um, so they, this kind of points out the fact that, like, there was a lot of companies that 40 said 46% of companies reported an increase in 401k loans and hardship withdrawals over the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, 27% said they fielded increased calls for pay advances. Again, obviously, you know, we had an interesting year and, and there was a lot of situations we may not encounter again. But I think, again, if you can be a company that is 
you know, willing to say, hey, we are willing to help you out where we need to help you out. If you are struggling, if you're in trouble, if you need a loan, maybe your workplace can actually help you out in some way with that too. And I, yeah. and, and that's the kind of thing that would convince somebody like, hey, my, my employer really does care about me and my life you yeah. know, outside of just what I do, you know, yep. eight hours a day, 40 hours a week for them, but but about me and my well-being also. Yeah, and I think that's more directed towards larger companies because I feel like yeah. the small to medium-sized companies, you know, those that have 20 employees or something like that, I mean, I, I would think that it would be the rarity that you have a small company and in with great employees, and if somebody's having a hard time, that the company and or the executive of that company, because you now you're in such a small company, it's probably just one person, right, it's right. The, the president and the owner, doesn't have some kind of flexibility to offer loans on hardship and stuff right, like right. that. So, but when you're in a bigger company, you feel a little, little bit more disconnected, you know, from that. And and I think that it it would behoove companies that are larger in scale to still have that small feel and the flexibility to their HR departments to allow for that some of that kind of stuff to to occur right, because right. it's a it's a great way to retain good people. Yep. You know, and I think that, that's ultimately what these trends seem to be about is. <clears throat> How to how to how to get good people and how to hold on to good people by offering them flexibility and benefits and a work environment that they actually enjoy and feel comfortable in and want to stick with. Yeah, so. I mean, I think you know, at the end of the road, I guess this article is touching on a lot of those things that we're all like, yeah, these are going to change remote work. Yep. You know, hiring and retaining people. I'm going to go back up there three to four times potential increase in number of people working from home pre-pandemic to post-pandemic right, so right. four times more people working from home that's a lot that you know i mean it's it's, so. it's gonna change uh a little bit uh of how things are going so anyway yeah Agreed. it was it, it did touch on a lot of good points yep. there all right tell us what's going on with google Chrome. well so yeah so all right so we got privacy issues shocking <laughs> A big tech company <laughs> but, with privacy issues, but but only somebody like Google has. So Google has delayed a major privacy change to its Chrome uh, browser, pushing back a plan to block third-party cookies. These are third-party cookies until late 2023, as it determines how to protect users while providing web publishers a way to make money. Let's so, be honest, that second part is probably the real important oh, part here. Oh, 100%. They so, can say the first, but the second yeah, is the one that's really That's why I'm kind of calling out this article. Right. It's like, you know, even Google, It's I love it when these big tech companies get into yeah. a pinch and they're like, you know, they understand that their whole world, which is advertising, right. could crumble if we right. start making some of these rules. And it's like, they're just like squirming, right? You can just tell that they're squirming. Yep. Here, here's the quote. We need to move uh, move at a responsible pace, allowing sufficient time for public discussion. <laughs> public discussion, really, public, yeah. on the right solutions and <laughs> for publishers and the advertising industry to migrate their services, says Chrome Engineering Director Vinay Gul, who said in a blog post. Uh, this is an important to avoid jeopardizing the business models of many web publishers, which support freely available content. So you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, they've created this rat's nest and now trying to unwind it you know a little bit through um you know actually having some privacy protections behind it it's, right. it's going to be really interesting to see how some of this stuff goes on but a couple other things that i read in the article that i was unaware of that there is um google is working on a technology called federated learning of cohorts or Lock, which is <laughs> that matches ads to large groups of people. So this is Google's way of saying, hey, you know, instead of that direct one-to-one -one third-party cookie where, you know, it's tracking everything you do, right. we're going to throw you in a group of people that, that are like-minded to you or do the same things 
and we're going to let those people track you. But right, we're, we're not right. going to track you as an individual. We're going to track you as a group. And it's like, is that really helping? Or, or, or is that is that what, you know, this is their great resolve to helping yeah. us with our privacy. I don't know that that's exactly where I we want to go. <laughs> I guess I understand the idea of like, you know, again, yeah, not as hyper-specific tracking of you and everything you are doing on the web. But at the same time, do we all want to get lumped into like, oh, I'm an 18 to 35-year-old female and who has visited these two websites. Therefore, I must like all of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Because I could see that being problematic as well. I mean, yeah. So Flock has its critics, right? The Electronic Frontier Foundation, the, the digital rights nonprofit says, Flock is a terrible idea. <laughs> hard and stop. Yeah. Hard stop. And Mozilla concluded that uh, Flock lets sites learn a lot about you with far less effort than they would need to expend today. Oh, so, so as such, now Google is working on revisions to their flock plan as well. So, uh, you know, it's just, you know, privacy is, I, it's just one of those things that it's it's a wormhole, right? You start going down there and you're trying to figure out what, what the challenges are for all these big tech companies. I get both sides and it's just it's just another one of those fascinating things to see unravel and, right. and how it's going to manifest itself and if does it contribute to a breakup of these big tech groups and stuff like that. But um, to see them react to it and still, yeah. it's just, you know, I, I don't know why I get pleasure out of big companies going, wait, 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 wait. You know, we've got an answer. For, well, we're going to delay it, but we've still got an answer. We've right. got people thinking about we've it. We've got an answer. And then suddenly, like, their six biggest advertisers go, we don't like your answer. Yeah. Like, we are thinking about <laughs> our answer. We're going to come back to you. Sorry, guys. Yeah. With please, a different answer. Please keep giving us your money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, my next one is another work-themed one of sorts here. DigiDay is the uh, um, the website where I found this. Um, it's called The Job Juggle. Gen Z and Millennial Employees Embrace the Concept of Polywork. So the idea behind this, and there actually is an app called Polywork that kind of helps you kind of do this, you know, and, and navigate this world. Wait, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, there was okay, actually an, an app related to it as well. Um, so the idea behind this, the Polywork, um, it says the professional workforce, particularly millennials age 25 to 40 and Gen Z up to 24, is increasingly rejecting the concept of a full-time job and a single boss in favor of something that's being dubbed Polywork or having multiple jobs at once. A uh, study of this blooming workforce by a new social network, also called Polywork, found that 55% of the 1,000 workers it polled ages age 21 to 40 years said an exciting professional life was more important than money. Just 35% said they would envision sticking with a single job for life, while nearly 64% said they were already doing more than one job or hope to in the future. More than 70% of those surveyed believe the pandemic accelerated the trend. And I do feel like this is something that has kind of been heading this way in general. And, and we have, again, this is something I think we've discussed before, this idea that the stigma of job hopping is no longer a thing. Like, I don't think people were, you know, I, I do remember like when I got into the workforce, people were always like, hey, don't jump around to a bunch of different jobs, especially mm -hmm. over the course of just a few years or so. That looks bad on a resume. Mm -hmm. People will think you're flighty, that you are unreliable. And I'm sure people, some people still feel that way. But I think I think it's still out there. The, Absolutely. The, but I think the the younger generations of millennials and Gen Z have kind of dispelled that myth and understand mm. like, look, that doesn't have to mean anything. Just because I worked at one place for two years jumped ship, went somewhere else, worked there two years, two years after that, doesn't mean the same thing anymore. It doesn't necessarily mean I can't be trusted to stick around. It might just mean that some of these people decide, hey, look, I went to this place. I got what I needed out of that particular employer, learned a lot of interesting skills, took my skills to this other place. I wanted to learn some other stuff. And I think that's kind of what bleeds into this idea of polywork, which is one of these concepts that like I kind of 
I kind of like it and also don't know if I if, if it would be for me. And granted, I'm not in the age market anymore necessarily for this, but it's this idea of, hey, I, I wanna I wanna have a lot of different talents and a lot of different things that that I am doing. And I and I could also see the appeal of unlike in the, unlike freelance work, which is more about I gotta put out, put out to get paid. This is basically saying, like, hey, maybe I've got two, three, or even four part-time jobs or jobs that I do at different times of the year, maybe that I get to focus on some different skills, build a resume of a lot of different things that I that I know about. And I suppose if one falls off for some reason or I decide I don't like one, I'm not suddenly financially strapped mm. in order to get out of that and find something else versus I guess if you're working a regular one job that is your entire job, moving from job to job is a little bit more stressful and difficult because you have to, you know, you got to work on finding a new job while you're still working one. You can't just quit that job. Most of us can't just quit that job and spend a few weeks to months or whatever finding the next gig. It's something you're doing while you're actively still working. Maybe you don't have that time, but I could see with Polywork, if you've got three or four gigs already and you can say, hey, this one's not working for me. I'm going to cut bait on that. I'm still bringing in my money from the other three. You know, I'm not losing out on nearly as much and I have time to go find something else. Or maybe you get to dig in deeper into one you're already doing that you've come to enjoy. I, I can see some benefits out of this. It's I don't know if it's something I would do personally, mm-hmm. but I can definitely see the benefits of it. And I could see how this becoming something that becomes a theme for younger generations, especially to come. I don't know. I'm not getting my head you're around this whole thing. Oh, I mean, I get it. I, I understand the concept, but I think it's got a lot of holes in it. And so let me throw a couple of them out at you that I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I you know, I hit roadblocks in my own mind and I get it. You know, maybe I'm old school and and I'm trying to overcome those barriers in my head, I suppose. But, um, you know, I'm just going to go back to where you were. The 21 to 40 year old said an exciting professional life was more important than money. Yeah. You ask anybody that if you could come up with an exciting professional life. Well, yeah. And and still be able to pay. But you still need the money. I think most people would be. So that's like this. I, you know, I'm like, are they naive? I think they're just young and naive at this point. In Maybe. Time. I don't know. There's got, there's a little bit of that in there because again, and, and, and what I don't understand about poly work though is like, okay, you know, I'm, there's nothing really preventing me from doing poly work right now. And that, except for the sense that I guess I work an eight hour day or whatever, you know, the right, job you already have at, a full time job, but, but what would my poly work be? I was trying to, you know, query myself. What, right. what other things would I explore? Would I go into gardening? And try to get some, would I become like a kelp farmer, which, you know, I'm kind of intrigued by now to help with the environment and stuff like that. Would I teach drum lessons? Because I love doing that. And, you know, yeah, that could be a side gig. And I don't know that I'd ever make a living off of that, So let me ask you, if you could do that, like, let's say you could dial back your work here at Blue Star and only maybe do like half a week Mm -hmm. in your actual Blue Star work. Mm -hmm. And, but you could incorporate some of that other stuff. Maybe you could teach drumming on this, you know. Yeah, but I'm not going to get the the kind of income doing that Potent- no you're you know, right i guess right. that's i so, guess that's, and the that's always the barrier so there's the there's the whole naive thing right. that you know yeah i could fill my life with six seven different tasks or different things but i don't know i don't know and maybe i'm a slave to the lifestyle that you know right. we created for ourselves so i i get it i'm trying to disband and, and get out of that thought process right. but I don't know. I mean, to me, here's the other thing that worries me about poly work. And, and, and so as I mentally, you know, wrestle my other situation, but <laughs> what I see it coming down to is task driven work. So 
I'm I'm signing up for a particular task. You know, and we've talked about this. And in, in I was just talking to our HR department. There's like Indeed is coming out with. They already have solutions where people can literally sign up to do particular tasks. Right. Right. And it's whether it's a two hour task, whether it's a 15 minute task, you can load that up on Indeed, and Indeed will find you the employees to do your 15 two minute two hour task, whatever it right, is. Right. So now we're creating this world where it's just task driven. Oh, I, I'm logging in to do this task for Blue Star. I'm logging in to do this task for a, a writing task that I love for somebody else. Right. And to me, task driven world is like, ugh. I mean, now I feel like very robotic and there's no creativity. Whereas maybe working for an employer, you know, for a longer extended time, it allows you the time to think about how can I improve the business? What can we do better? You know, that that mindset is different than just a task oriented mindset right. where, oh, somebody gave me something to do. I did it. I did. Got an A on it. Give me my money. Right. Right. That's completely but that's almost different more freelancing, though. And okay. I feel like polywork is, and, and not to be contrarian to you because I do see your point there, but I think maybe maybe where you can find that balance point, though, is to say, okay, let's say I'm doing four different gigs at once. All right. Two of them are that task-oriented type stuff. Okay. And those are the steady, reliable income. All right. I this know, is paying the bills. Right. Got I know it. that like I, maybe I am maybe I take calls for a call center. Mm-hmm. Three days a week yep. from eight to noon or something like that. All right. And that's that's the steady reliable income that I can depend on every week. It's paying my it helps me pay the majority of my bills. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing I'm holding on to. Mm-hmm. But then and then maybe you have one other task that's similar to that too. But then maybe the other two are where like one of them is, hey, I'm getting my entrepreneurial entrepreneurial hat on mm-hmm. and I'm working on starting up a new small business. Something yeah. Yeah. that I couldn't afford to do necessarily, didn't couldn't couldn't do and still maintain my 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 regular life if I was trying to do this full time, sure. but I can extend it out. Maybe it takes a little bit longer for me to get there, but I can work on it in my off hours or mm-hmm. in my hours not doing this other mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And then maybe your fourth one is just a passion project of yours. You know, you mentioned like like the whole teaching drums or gardening mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. It's something that you're passionate about. You're not sure if you can actually make any money out of it. Maybe it's just trickling in here right. and there, but it's yeah. it's supporting your passion. So I could, I Maybe. mean, again, I can see it. But yes, to your point, though, at the end of the day, for a lot of us, unfortunately, there's the I got to pay some bills right. and, and I need that. I need my upward mobility. Maybe that's why this appeals to a younger generation. Maybe it that does. aren't necessarily yeah. there yet because we, you know, we keep hearing about the younger generations are taking longer than ever to buy houses or simply can't afford to buy a house right. yet because they're still paying off student debts <laughs> right. and just, you know, the, and, and go house, see the other article. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And house yeah. prices are, are blowing up, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe it's, you know, it's about for them, like, hey, this gives well, me the opportunity to find what my thing is and decide if I am going to devote myself to that or at least narrow down my tree of, of poly work to one or two branches instead. Maybe. In I future. mean, to me, it's, it's, it seems like we're adding more anxiety. I mean, yeah, you're going to need that <laughs> uh, boosting workers' mental and physical wellness because <laughs> true. everybody's trying to find the next maybe, gig. Maybe. I don't know. And yeah. maybe, I don't know, maybe we need to, this is one of those things we need to find somebody who's younger than us to come in here and talk about it that maybe is actually doing it. But the other thing you maybe yeah, think of, though, well, too, is I think you can you can still uh, like kind of adopt the polywork mindset in in a regular job that's a single job too because I'll be honest I kind of feel that way sometimes about my job at this point sure since you know I've you know taken on this gig with you know the podcast and I'm still you know doing some writing on the side campaign management I feel like there's a lot of different hats I get to wear where I get to try out a lot of stuff and learn a lot of different stuff 
but yet not feel like I have the monotony of this is just my one single mm-hmm. job that mm-hmm. I'm always doing day in, day yep. out. Clock in, clock so, out. Yeah, so mm-hmm. maybe if, if this concept scares you from the, the the vantage point of literally having several different jobs that you're hopefully cobbling together <laughs> a living from, maybe more of thinking like, hey, is there a way that I can incorporate that into my own current work life and not just there be the monotonous right. robot exactly. that's only doing one thing every day, day yes. in, day out, and getting yes. bored of it. Yes. And, because like maybe that's what people are trying to avoid. And, and I understand that entirely. Totally. I totally, totally understand yeah, that. Absolutely. So. And and how rich are we that we can talk in those terms because there's True. still people in manufacturing that they got to clock in. Exactly. But even those environments, I think, you know, they're cognizant of moving the workers around so that they're not doing the same thing for 15 years, you know, right. Right. <laughs> putting this bolt on this widget in this way at least here in the U.S. I don't yep. know about China and stuff like that. But anyway, man, lots to unpack there. Yeah. But let, now, now, let's John, wrap up with something fun. Imagine here. that you have worked your entire <laughs> life. You have toiled endless, endless hours to become a premier athlete in right. bicycling. Right. You, your family has suffered. You have <laughs> just toiled endlessly hours and hours of road time and you're on a world's best team and you make it to the Tour de France, which is the the epitome right. of the biking. World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics All of, of it. biking. Yes, it is. If you are in biking and you want it's where you want to be right. and you make it to the front of the pack yep. on day yep. one. Yep. So you are like coming out of the gate. You're awesome. one of the best of the best. And lo and behold, some granny on the side of the road holds out a sign <laughs> made of cardboard that reads... Um, I think it said like, go granny or grandpa. Opie yeah. Omni. So it's a mashup of French and German, right? right. right? And it says, come on, granddad, yeah, yeah. from granny. And that sign not only you know thwarts you and now you've wrecked, but creates this chain reaction that we've all seen in bicycle <laughs> events where it's it's... 50 bicyclists now that are running all over each other, broken ankles, scarred up, scraped up. Can you believe it that that our society, I guess this granny just wanted a selfie. She yeah. wanted, not a selfie. Yeah. She, she wanted, wanted to, to be get seen. on camera yeah. and be yeah. seen. And that created this absolute havoc yeah. in the first and leg I gotta of say, the Tour de France. the video... <laughs> Like if you if you're into Schadenfreude, this idea of just you know seeing other people's misery, <laughs> like and and you just oh, want one to and you want to see a pratfall kind of thing. You love like pratfalls and 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 comedic you know America's funniest videos type. Yes, stuff. right. Like yeah, watching this on a loop is is guaranteed laughter. But then yes, when you do stop and think about it, and you realize like man, first of all, some people got hurt. So, yeah. you know, you messed up this entire race, yeah. like, you know, damaged property. And, and and this is just one person literally sticking a sign. It, it is because they show the video in like yes. in slow-mo. She's, she's like is, smiling. It is so fascinating to watch. You're just like, you're just like, you're watching a, not a train wreck, a bicycle wreck literally happening. Yes. In front of well, you. Well, and I understand like police are searching for and her. And she got you know? away. Uh, How yeah. does that even happen? It's like, <laughs> it's, is that a far side comic or something? I, I mean, there's, it's like she created this havoc and just blitzed, you know, and how's a bunch you... of chickens in a human suit or something? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, there's just so much to unpack in just that one little oh, story man. about what does it say about our society where people, you know, feel the need to put themselves in, in the camera eye. Well, I mean, or, she got what she wanted. She's definitely notorious. And, oh man. Know. Yeah. But at the, I don't, I, and I've, I've yet to read how many bicyclists, you know, actually were thwarted and now can't yeah. race and stuff like that. But it's just one of those stories where you just shake your head. Yes, there's some funniness to it. And I've watched it quite a few times because who can't watch a bicycle? 
bicycle wreck where the guys are just piling up on each other and it's like oh man that hurts oh yeah oh. yeah you know it's, that it's, type of it's entertaining but you know and it could have probably been scarier <laughs> like i haven't i know there's been some injuries i haven't necessarily heard about anyone being seriously I, yeah injured. i don't think anybody's seriously hurt uh, right but still man what yeah. a what a rough rough start and what was this was this day one was this, this was day one Good this creation. is like leg one this is like <laughs> it's just coming right uh, so it's yeah it's that line there's just whatever hundreds of bicyclists right, coming down right. the line and it's right at the top if you haven't seen the video you gotta you gotta and, go and watch i'm it. sure it's there like, was no ill intent on the part of this woman whatsoever you do kind of feel bad for her because it, i it, the, you kind of almost hope no one does figure what? out who she is or find her, although i'm sure someone has to know who she is but like, it happens though. Remember Bartman? I, I was just with, about with the, the, which. Have the you ever watched the Thirty for Thirty on on Bartman? No. Uh-uh. If you get a chance, I, I, I know Netflix has a lot of them. There's a couple places you can find those those ESPN Thirty for Thirties. There's okay. one they did on Bartman, and you realize like just how on the guy himself. It's it's basically all about that story, you know, oh. what happened, and it's so utterly tragic because mm. the guy just did what any fan does right. at a game yeah which reach is, out and try to get coming the ball. to me i'm trying i'm gonna reach out and get the ball mm-hmm. you're not cognizant of what's actually happening on the field yep. you're not aware of the fact yeah. and 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 i don't yeah. even know that he really changed people always forget it in that story that the cubs went on to blow that game pretty dramatically after that right and then completely blow the next game you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. not even come close <laughs> Yeah, so yeah but, but he's forever forget- going to be right. the catalyst. Exactly. Of that. There's yeah. always, but it's always like that poor guy gets singled and out. And they the went to got, the World Series the later, got years death later. Threats. I know. He's right? had to basically go under this woman gets death threats. I know. It's it's just unfortunate. That's one of those things where I'm like, look, you know, stuff happens, and I know you hate it when it disrupts, especially if you're the fan of that event or that athlete or whatever. But stuff happens, and just yeah. you know, like lay off these people that you know maybe just made a very bad mistake. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, so. this one's I don't know. Yeah, this one's like, lady, come on, you you uh, needed to have better. I don't know, better uh, understanding of what's going on around uh, you. I know. All right. Well, that does it for our tour of. Uh, <laughs> Of stories. Tech bites. Tech bites um, today. No uh, tech beefs yet. Thankfully, no one's put a sign out in front of us to make us crash this podcast into each other. But uh, <laughs> hey, listen, if you want to reach out to us, if you have any cool stories that you would like to share with us that you'd want to hear us maybe talk about for a future Tech Bites, because we're going to start doing this fairly regularly, uh, you can reach us uh, on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also find us uh, by email, TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, hey, let's wrap things up with normally we have our value of the VAR segment. And, you know, I do want to ask, though, is, you know, was there any takeaways from any of these stories that you think could be valuable to our VAR audience that, you know, something you think is a takeaway that, you know, could be useful to them? You know, maybe, yeah. not, the, maybe not dying birds or bicycle crashes. Well, don't click on phishing emails. Well, there you go. <laughs> That is very important. Teach your employees about that. Let's be honest. Teach your employees. Yeah, if, you yeah. know, if you're, if you, you know, if you have any connection with the IT department or you are in IT or something, put out some kind of memo to employees. Have a brief little discussion about how to spot phishing emails. That yeah. is important because yeah. that could take down your company. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. In all seriousness, I do, I do think there's a couple of takeaways. I mean, a couple of your articles were more HR related, I would say. And, and I think people need to con- continue to be cognizant of that, even though we're coming out of the pandemic. And I think there's just this general sense of, ah, we made it kind of right. a thing. But things have legitimately changed. And I think companies got to figure that out, uh, whether you're a reseller, software development company, whatever, as as people, as HR departments and all those try to figure out how do we 
how do we blend this work life balance? How do we how do we address some of the things that have come along? You know, I am I'm more cognizant now of of articles around that. And what are other people saying and doing and thinking as we come out of this? And I think that that's that would be a good takeaway because we're all in we're all in this together in it. You know, we're all in this together coming out of it. And, uh, you know, figuring out the, the best ways for companies to still retain uh, folks, still be profitable, still grow their business. HR is going to be a big component of that coming out of yeah. it. Yeah. I think the only thing I would add to that, too, is also this idea of maybe, you know, get a little self-awareness with your company and your business. Yep. And also, don't take it personally when people start leaving. Mm. Because we've we've talked about this multiple times now, this great resignation that's already happening and mm-hmm. is con- going to continue on. You're going to lose some employees who have had time to rethink what they want to do with their lives over the last year. And it may not be anything personal mm-hmm. to you or your business. You know, So don't take it personally. But maybe then also at the same time, do a little self-reflection and don't be afraid to ask some questions or have your HR department ask some questions and do a little you know, introspection about yep. why people might be leaving your company. Yep. If you're hearing some of the same kind of things, if you're hearing it's because they don't have the work-life balance that they want or you know, the benefits aren't as good as they would like, if you can do something about that, do something about mm-hmm. it. You know, Do a little introspection right now because I think a lot of what's going to happen over the next couple of years is going to make or break a lot of companies yeah. and how a lot of companies operate and, and, and how they how they attract and retain talent. So yeah, now's absolutely. the time to do something about it before it's too late. And now we know a new concept called polywork. Yep. You know, that's something I didn't wasn't aware of, but you got to be cognizant of that. Exactly. Those daggone millennials, I'll tell you. <laughs> they keep coming at it. Hey, those millennials are are our bosses sooner than later. Let's be honest. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we, we need to start appreciating them. All <laughs> right. Uh, let's wrap up uh, with what's tech connecting with you. Dean, what's tech connecting with I you this week? I got two of them for you here okay. today, bro. Uh, so I, I couldn't let this one go because I brought it up, you know, originally. So that whole, uh, you know, everybody's waiting around for the UFO report. Oh, yes, Government yes, of can't explain 143 of the 144 <laughs> mysterious flying objects and yep, blames yep. limited data. Okay, so if you can't explain what is that 99.5% of <laughs> what it is, 143, they couldn't I was expecting, oh okay, there's here's two or three that we don't readily have, right, uh, right. you know, an answer for, but Dag on 143 out of the 144 that have happened between 2004 and 2021 that they just you know I, I love that they the put in the bucket of other I love this right. category yeah, too it was yeah. like well it could be it could have been a balloon could have been whatever right. and then there's this other category and what is other yeah we don't know. I love that this widely anticipated report finally comes out and just amounts to them just going. Hmm? Yep. <laughs> shrug, shrug emoji. That's what it should have been. Just like 50 pages or 100 pages of shrug emojis. Like, don't know. Yeah. Oh, except that one. That one was a that one was an experimental jet. We, that one. We that know, one were good. We got that. We one. got that yeah, one. The other ones. 140. And, and the reason why we got here is because of that whole appropriation for the 2.3 trillion dollar right, you know right. relief bill. Uh, in there was we need to report on what all this UAP is. And so, I don't know, maybe they haven't been given enough time. Uh, you know, we've all seen these videos now that are kind of hard to determine, you know, what they are. You just see a little blip on a screen and whatever. Right, it's right. like, yeah, okay, it's doing some weird things. But I don't, you know, I don't know the the eng- or the the science behind it and the physics behind what, what we're seeing and stuff like that. But just the fact that they don't know what 143 of them was, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Here's my other one that's, that's kind of tech connecting with me. I feel sorry for... For NASA, Hubble telescope remains in safe mode Uh-oh. as NASA tries to restart a crashed 1980s era oh, computer. Man. So, 
Good luck with that. So I lived through the 80s and, you know, into the 90s, and I understand uh, Windows 95 or, you know, even before Take that. out the I, floppy and blow into the disk drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, we just need somebody to go up there and do that. That's beautiful. Yes, that's exactly okay, what NASA uh, needs to gonna do. We're going to need you to take off your helmet. What? I'm in space. Just real fast and just blow in there as quick you as you just, can. Okay? You just confused half of the audience that's out there. A, they have that's no idea what you're talking like, about. What's a floppy? Take out the floppy and blow in there. <laughs> Like, was this some weird sex talk these guys are into now? Like, no, it's not. I promise. This but is, that, this that's the thing. That's how you solve Nintendo game issues. I mean, yep. how many times have I taken a Nintendo yep. game out and gone, ah, you know, <laughs> and then put it back in? Boom, it works. It's like, what? <laughs> Jiggle what it just right. Yeah. So yep. they, NASA needs somebody out there to reboot, restart this 1980s era computer that is on the Hubble. Oh. The Hubble is such a beautiful piece of equipment that has really done some stunning work. And I know they've gotten more life out of it than they thought. But yeah, we need we need the shuttle go back up there. I mean, I know it doesn't, but we need somebody go up there and do that, do a reboot. Yep. Anyway, what's tech connecting with you? Uh, mine is actually just the the Ford F one fifty Lightning. Yes. Uh, I'm sure you've seen ads for this. They've been doing commercials is all this, over the place. Is this the electric one? This is the electric okay. Ford F one fifty truck. And uh, I mean, I'm fascinated because this is, feels like one of the first like really major electrical vehicles that's being heavily promoted and of course you know like let's be honest trucks yes right you know is is a big deal especially in american this is culture a guy thing right right you know like ford tough you know like yes. it's it's always and and i love so it's very fascinating to me watching i think for, this is mostly from a marketing perspective okay. i'm fascinated by this yep. because it's fun watching the commercials and seeing like how they try to still make it feel tough which to me like just because it's electric doesn't mean it should be any less tougher but i guess that's again one of these things we've we've made this association that like electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles are for some reason not as tough and manly as oh, you know, I think a, we're getting there as a as a yeah. diesel or a gas engine spitting out all kinds of smoke or whatever. <laughs> but I, I so the the advertising clearly is trying to still give it its rough and tumble reputation. Right. So like you know you've got like this you know like lightning bolts coming down and like you see the truck driving through the dark with its cool you know front you know front panel of lights and everything. Uh, and you know this this cool voiceover, you know, of like what's coming, and and then you get these cool scenes of you know people like working and and like the front of the truck, like they open the hood yes, up and I the was hood's just looking storage. at a picture of that. Yes, yeah, right. It's storage space because you don't need oh, the no, giant it's the engine. enhanced pro power on board. Yeah, yes, and, and so you've got all this extra storage space. They show people like you know these guys like plugging in circular saws. Outlets. You've yeah. got eleven outlets. All the stuff they can power. Into. Now the best part of it is at the end of the commercial. There's a scene where the commercial, where the the truck is like in a in a garage mm -hmm. and it's plugged in and charging, and the power goes out in the neighborhood. And the truck, they show the panel in the truck that's that shows like as the power streams coming into the truck, it shows it reversing and feeding energy and back electricity to the house. back to the house, and the lights pop back on. So it's acting as a generator for the house. See, it's it's a cure all. It's a man's cure all. I just, I it's like I said, the, I think you know, I mean, electric vehicles are the future. It's <laughs> it's we know we're heading that way. We will all be driving them. Oh, at some I, point. I'm, I think the next vehicle that I get is going to be an electric I, vehicle. I, if if all possible, I would. Probably I'm in the like market the at the end of the year. I'm looking. There at you them. go. So, you can't get them. But I'm yeah, they're hard to find, yeah, and they're hard to go out and find places to charge too. But yeah. yeah, I think that's the direction we're heading. But I do find it fascinating that Ford is is doing this, and they're they're trying to adjust their marketing and be like, look, we're still the same cool, tough Ford truck, but we're just electric now. It's yeah. it's cool. It's yeah. still cool, guys. We promise. Yeah, yeah. we promise. You don't have to you trade in a man card that you're worried about. <laughs> 
just because you're driving electric, whatever, you know, like this so. will be, a, it, it'll, it's, it's intriguing to see it from it the is. advertising perspective. Yes. It, it definitely you got is. all these smart people in these ad agencies. How do we make this cool for a dude? It's a very, it's a very well done commercial. I'll give them that. Yeah. It's a very well crafted commercial. Yeah. You know, they did yeah. a good job with yeah. it. But, That's so, pretty good. So good I'm stuff. Fascinated by good that. stuff. All right, folks. Uh, it is time for us to unplug. Listen, try not to disrupt any major sporting events in right? the future. Uh, you know, just, just, just pull your cardboard back a little bit. It's yeah. okay if you're not on television. You don't don't want that notoriety, yes. Mm-mm. And don't touch any crazy dead or blind birds that you might see. <laughs> so that's our takeaways from the day. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, stay connected. When choosing a POS solution, choose the leaders in touch technology, ELO. ELO Touch computers are the surest, fastest way to get a POS application started and provide long-lasting use with a multitude of options. For modular configurations, ELO has the ELO Pause and iSeries Touch computers, which are available in a variety of sizes, offer flexible mounting, and support for easy customization with a variety of ELO Edge Connect accessories to choose from for self-service and point-of-sale applications. If an all-in-one solution is what your customers need, ELO PayPoint has you covered. Offering everything a merchant needs with a fully integrated receipt printer, barcode scanner, cash drawer, and MSR, all in a compact, sleek design. To learn more about how ELO can simplify your next POS project, check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star ELO representative. Providing the right care to the right patient at the right time is crucial. By connecting patient data, clinicians, and providers in real time using Zebra's healthcare technology solutions, providers can consistently deliver a higher level of care with fewer medical errors. With Zebra's purpose-built solutions, you can ensure easy access to critical patient data through seamless integration and device management. The strength of the Zebra Healthcare portfolio helps maximize clinical operational efficiency and patient safety in critical areas like positive patient identification, clinical mobility and collaboration, and with supply chain and inventory management activity. Looking to improve accuracy, clinical staff productivity, and patient safety? Go with Zebra Healthcare.